Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome everyone to The Distraction here on Fightful.com. I am Jeremy Lambert, still celebrating my birthday because I can. Joined, as always, by the man in the corner, Joe Holbert. Joseph, how are you? I'm very good, Jeremy. This is going to be a stack show. We've just spent (laughs) four hours going through production here. There's so much to get to. So many news bulletins to tackle. I'm just ready. I want to get straight into it this week. I know normally... We, you know, oh, a little bit of fun here and there, some silliness. No, no, no. This week, there is some serious stuff to discuss. Plenty of wrestling to discuss yeah. this week. This is where we are heavy on the wrestling this yes. week. Uh, if you want more of our wrestling banter, we actually reviewed a wrestling movie uh, this past Tuesday, a live show at that, our, our first ever, our second ever live show, maybe our last ever live show. We reviewed Firefly <laughs> Funhouse all all the segments since last year when they started i reviewed it as one big movie joseph actually tried to review it as wrestling segments uh you can decide which approach you liked best on that but i I thought we had a good time on that show we did it was certainly um you know there's very few times in this industry jeremy and we are very very revered in our field here we understand that right we have big voices but there are very few times you can honestly finish a recording and say we have just done something that no one else in the world has done. And I confidently will say that we did that. Not just watching it, but then doing like a contrasting approach review of it. I mean, in 20 years when they made a documentary about this show, they will discuss that episode. They'll say that was when we realised these guys are something different. And next week's show too, but that's a topic for later. Yes. The live show is so weird to do because... I've got to like read the chat and the super chats and I'm getting texts from my mom and stuff. I, I actually went back and like watched it again. Uh, you know, I got to study the game, you know, Joe, you got to always keep improving, always keep learning. I went back and watched it. And like, just when the chats are coming in and you're talking, cause we're so used to just doing this where it's not live yeah. at all. And I'm trying to like fill in bits of when people are messaging me, uh, when usually we just ramble on about whatever topic or movie we're reviewing. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious because to me it's the exact same show like it makes no yeah the only difference is i get off and i'm just like oh people have already seen it that's weird <laughs> like, for you you're actually trying to like 
is truly point guard moment to you, right? <laughs> truly ball in the hands, shot clock running stuff. So, no, you did very well. I mean, especially on your big day, right? More pressure than ever. Didn't want to foul on your big day. You, I think you succeeded. I mean, there's been some... The reviews are mixed, right? It's fair to say, because the live format, not everyone is the biggest fan, because when you're dealing with artists of our level, sometimes we need to be reined in a little. When it's live... <laughs> All cards on the table, you know? <laughs> That's the issue is it is all cards on the table when it's live. And I 100% before we started the show thought we were getting fired after. <laughs> uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, this is going to be our last show. We're done after this. Yes. Um, we don't get fined for dunking here. You know, if you notice that, we do not. No, we're trouble. encouraged. We're encouraged yes. to dunk. Attack the rim. Yeah. Attack the rim at all costs. <laughs> we don't get yeah, yelled at like uh, my player in 2K. I don't know if you played the my player in 2K. There is a scene where like you do a breakaway dunk and the coach is like, don't do that. Like, what do you want me to do? Just like finger roll? I mean, I guess finger roll yields yeah. the same result, but it's like, I'm a, I'm a white point guard. Let me have this dunk. All right, coach, come on. Do you remember when like four minutes ago I said, look, man, no silliness. This <laughs> I wonder if anyone in our audience believed that and was like, yeah, there are lots of topics. I'm pumped for these guys to get into it. But there are none. So here we go. Jeremy, what is the first topic this week? I don't want to make people wait anymore. I know it's a lot going on. Let's get into it. It's Thursday. We talk about wrestling on Thursday. I can't even say that with a straight face with the show we have today. <laughs> um, five minutes on the clock. Let's get into it. Let's go all the way back to Friday, Joe. We're a week behind on things. Uh, Nicola Cross, one of your favorites. Yes. She's the number one contender for the SmackDown Women's Championship. She will be facing Bayley at Clash of Champions. It's Bayley's first challenger since ridding ridding the universe of Sha- Sasha Banks, sending her off to uh, Tatooine or wherever. I don't know. Uh, that's that was where... strong. Good effort, man. I appreciate that. That's a Fair planet right. in the in the film, right? Tatooine. Okay. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, so sent, sent her off there. She'll be back on Friday. Uh, but Nikki Cross and Bailey is the first big program coming out. Joe, are you excited for this extremely fresh matchup? Well, that's it. I mean, it's, it's so new, it's so fresh, it's cutting edge. You know, it reminds me of ECW in 1995. No, but in all seriousness, this is um, certainly, certainly a bold play. And there's a there's a couple of ways to look at this. So, do we agree that Bailey is keeping her title? Just a surface level. Yeah. I know there's another route which we'll tackle in a second, but... Okay, so considering we both think Bailey is keeping this belt and then probably going to face the legit boss at the Hell in a Cell, why does poor Nikki have to be in, <laughs> to be in this spot? That's the only thing that I can... So then you have to say, okay, there's got to be a reason she's in this spot, right? They're not trying to murder the Nikki Cross. They like the Nikki Cross. They want her on the television show, I would assume, I would guess. <laughs> so then it's like, okay, they want to develop and further the Alexa angle. Okay... So then, does that mean... Here's the scenarios I'm laying on the table for you. Bailey wins. Alexa has no involvement, even though she sometimes has the pencil on these things. <laughs> That's A. B, Bailey wins because Alexa costs Nikki the match. C, the the dark horse here, that the legit boss returns, costing Bailey her title and allowing them to do their favourite play of this feud doesn't need a title, so let's give the title to a feud that is not nearly as important. Your take? I I assume that Bailey is just going to win, beat her outright, clean. I knew where you were going with, yeah, Sasha, Sasha Banks cost Bailey the championship because it doesn't need the belt or anything. To me, like, this 
the feud is about the belt, right? The Bailey yeah, yeah. and Sasha Banks feud. Bailey's promo, which I thought was excellent, by the way. Uh, Bailey's promo was just essentially saying, like, yeah, we lost our titles. I didn't need you anymore. I knew you were going to do that to me, so I did it to you first. Like, it's about the belts. The, all the looks to the belts, Sasha holding up all the belts when, uh, you know, she didn't have any, and Bailey was just, like... It's about that SmackDown Women's title. If you take the title off of Bayley because you think, oh, this feud's big enough, it doesn't need the belt, that's just dumb. That is just, it's overthinking this entire thing and shooting yourself in the foot. Well, with that in mind, Jeremy, <laughs> what did the Bayley promo, there's a famous, I wouldn't say famous, there's a famous angle that received the same follow-up that Bayley did this last week do you remember what it was jeremy owens and jericho yes yeah what did owens do after that promo do you remember he he lost to goldberg and yes, yeah yes, he did, yes. and then because remember as we all know goldberg and brock lesnar certainly needed the title <laughs> didn't look i'm I, i'm 100 with you to me it seems most likely bailey's winning here and they're going to just continue the nikki down spiral deal and the, probably alexa's going to kill nikki next month Whenever that, you know, and then they'll do whatever they do. However, when you say the phrase of they don't need to overcomplicate this, alarm bells, because if they have a chance <laughs> to overcomplicate, they will. Because, and in fairness to them, and I don't mean to sort of credit it, but there is something to be said. They do enjoy the whole subverting expectations deal, right? They enjoy that kind of just when you thought we were going to give you what we wanted, we pull it back. I wouldn't be surprised. That's all I'm saying. Going with Nikki again when you've already done the whole last match, last shot thing, it's just there's something interesting there that people are going to avoid, and then if it happens, it will be an extraordinary event to follow on social media. I'm not saying it should. I'm just saying the Nikki Cross choice makes me think there could be that fault running around. That's all. This Nikki Cross program goes to show, one, how little they have the depth with the with the roster, but how little yeah. they've actually put into it outside of Bailey yeah. killing all these girls over the past year. Because the people in this match were Alexa, who Bailey has beaten and who probably wasn't gonna win because of this gimmick change she's undergoing. Nikki, yeah. who Bailey's beaten plenty of times, Tamina, who Bailey has actually beaten on pay per view, and like why would you even want to do that match? And Lacey, who Bailey has beaten plenty of times and even if you put naomi in and by the way naomi had the best claim she beat bailey in a singles match before SummerSlam. there's history with sasha that was such an easy feud to book i feel like coming out of uh the sasha bank stuff but whatever even naomi bailey's beaten her multiple times over the past year yeah like she's beaten all of the the only person who was like featured on smackdown who she hasn't really beaten a bunch is Mandy Rose, and then she just got traded to Raw. So, like they they've done nothing to heat these women up after Bailey just destroys them. I mean, the thing that's interesting is when I saw that Naomi wasn't in the match, I assumed they were going to like save that because there is a reason she beat Bailey, right? Like they they obviously intended <laughs> it. At some, <laughs> they obviously intended at some point for Bailey and Naomi to do it. I don't know. I'm assuming, okay, but. I just guessed, okay, they're going to save that. But then, now I'm looking at the landscape, and it's like, they're already doing the bank satellite interview deal. Like, We think it's satellite. I hope it's satellite. It has to be. I mean, it's going to (laughs) be, I would assume it's Hell in a Cell they're doing this match. Wouldn't you at this point? 
I I hope not. That's what it seems like. I don't. I Unless don't know. they did a draft, you said you mentioned. Yeah, I remember last week you saying like they could split them via draft and then Survivor Series they don't touch again. Like you tease it and you could do right. that, but if not, it looks awful. It looks like they're going to do the match at Hell in a Cell. So I I don't, I don't know why you needed to do this satellite interview unless you're just shoehorning it in there because sasha got the mandalorian thing and that trailer just came out this week and you want michael cole to be like star of the mandalorian and stuff like that's the only reason you're bringing sasha banks back to television this quickly and yes it's got to be a satellite interview if you have her walk out on the stage and she does her little pose and she's you know just sasha banks complete misfire complete misfire so you want you want one of those satellite interviews where Cole is doing like he's very nervous voice and he's like, I know it was a very traumatic experience for you, legit boss, Sasha Banks, but can you tell us how you feel about the role model's betrayal of you last week in front of the WWE Universe here in the Thunderdome for SmackDown on Fox Live? That's what you want, right? That was really good. You got every single buzzword and yeah. in, in catchphrase in there. It's amazing. When you, when you sit, like, I understand Cole isn't for everyone, I don't think people fathom how good he is at his job. Yeah. Like, it's insane. The fact that he sometimes still sounds like a human is <laughs> an amazing feat. But anyway, yeah, Nikki Cross. Um, okay, here's an interesting pivot here because we have so many topics that I'm going to overrun on this one of all topics. So here we are. Here's an interesting point. Let's imagine Alexa is going to become female themed, okay? Do you think that's a great... That could actually happen, right? I'm not, that's what we're hoping for, right? We want okay. Sparkle yeah. Bliss in the Fun House and then Clown yes. Bliss Wrestling. So that would obviously be very, very hard to book. I mean, putting together a thing where you have a five-foot woman and she's booked like The Fiend, <laughs> going to be an out in a cave, is the way to have Alexa turn Nikki back into, you know, crazed Nikki, and then they can just be a tag team as heels with Bray. Because otherwise... Like, if the deal here is just she's, like, Alexa's first victim, I have no clue what you do with Nikki at that point. Because she had then lost to Bailey 19 times and also got beat up by her best friend. That's tough. That's that's just when you send her to Raw and give her a fresh coat so. of paint. Um, no, yeah. why, what is your suggestion of she turns into crazy Nikki and they're a ta- tag team? What? what? What is a tag team in the women's Here's division, the Joe? I know that here's the problem with this stuff is people get the ideas they don't think about and I'm talking about everyone here not just me not just you I'm talking about the people that run the show I'm also considering he's like it's a cool idea right oh Alexa can be a killer clown too let's do that he's like you have to make space for that character she can't just be a part of the division doing fatal four ways with Tamina like you can't do that look at how they do brain right so my idea is just that if they're in the tag division, at least they're kind of isolated and you don't have to do Banks Bliss matches where Alexa doesn't sell and stuff. But it's, I don't know, that theme thing is, it's a lot harder to pull off. I mean, ask Seth Rollins. That poor guy <laughs> got booed while he's finished 20 times in the cell. It's just difficult. So that was that was all. But you're right, Nikki will just move brands and they'll be like, here she is, the feisty Nikki Cross <laughs> in front of the WWE Universe in the WWE Thunderdome. In your face. I don't know. Uh, so what I'm saying is, my final take is Nikki's going to win the title in three minutes with her finish. <laughs> that I don't remember the name of. That's what I said, I think. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Raw in your face, that was the, the tagline for the show on Monday. They stacked this show because it was up against uh, Monday Night Football. They had Keith Lee against Drew McIntyre. Champion versus champion tag team match. No titles on the line, just champion versus champion. 
Dominic in a cage against Seth Rollins and uh, the women's title match, Asuka and, and Mickey James were the, the big matches. Joe, we don't have a singular thought on Raw. I, there's nothing really like, let's spend five minutes on this topic. Raw is the same show every single week. It's predictable. Mm. It's lazy. It's boring. It's very interesting. I mean, I do agree. No, with that's not the word for it. It's not interesting but at all. I, here's why I find it interesting, Jeremy. Because when I watch it, if you like isolate each thing, I don't think it's bad. Like I think Dominic and Seth has been good. Sure. I'm happy Mickey James is doing something, even if like, mostly it sucks. And that match was weird, which we'll get into. Um, the hurt business are awesome. Yes, maybe the best thing in the whole promotion right now. Yes, perhaps the industry. I'm going to go that far. That faction's so cool. So you have that. You have those three things. Like, should this show suck? No, Keith Lee is there. He's doing stuff with Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre. Like, it, on paper, you look at it and you're like, okay, this all seems relatively interesting. But as one flowing show week to week, it couldn't feel less. Must see, right? Even when it's in my face, <laughs> I feel like I can miss it. I mean, here's pulling back the curtain for you. I watched this show on, like, literally the day we were recording the section. I'm like, okay, now I have to watch Raw. Like, I, I have no fear of missing things. The other shows I'll watch without spoilers. Raw, what are they going to spoil? You know, <laughs> that, that Buddy Murphy did another 20-minute match and lost? I don't care. So anyway, the point of this was, all I could think as I watched Raw was I wonder if... There's a young man out there. Man or... I don't know. Boy or girl, I'm like... But... Is there a young fan out there that's like... Finally, I get it. Street Profits versus Shinscan Cesaro. <laughs> Let's find out who the real tag champs are. And my, my take is... I don't know, but I seriously hope so. Because what a bizarre... I mean, it's a cool match, but like, why? What was the point? It's just strange. Maybe if you're if you're tuning in for the first time, which I don't think anybody is, um, maybe you're like, oh, champion versus champion. This this seems like a big deal. This is cool. But like, yeah. if you watch SmackDown, Lucha House Party just beat Cesaro right. and Shinsuke off of a distraction. It's like, okay, why do I care about them facing the Raw champions now? These losers just got distracted and lost. Like, it, yeah. it's it's a bad weekly episodic television show. As a standalone show, it's okay. But mm-hmm. when you watch the same show the week before and the week before and the week before, a it's all the same. It's all yeah. the I swear. I swear they've been doing this Andrade and Angel Garza tease breakup for five months now. Yeah, that is ridiculous. I mean, Andrade in general appears to have had the same month like 30 times since yes. he called up. Like, he's in the exact same spot. Nothing has changed. That's with quickly... I know we're on Raw and I will get back to it, but I just... It's so indicative to me, and it was an encapsulation of so many things. So there is Shinsuke and Cesaro, and Dolph was like... My God, was he trying. He said if he started a promotion, there'd be his one and two guys. He was like the ultimate professionals. And I'm just watching this match. Like, they lost to Lucha House, but they're going to lose here. Like, there's only so much. In theory, it should be such an awesome tag team. But like, I don't care about the Cesaro Shinsuke thing. And that feels like a bummer. So just that quick, you know, um, sidetrack. But Raw, what do you think about this weird woman's division where it is like. 
Asuka and then ten women just sort of like all next to each other. Because I guess you have the Shane and Nia deal, but now that they're champs, they feel separate. Like the way that it's all mixed with Natty and Lana and all that good stuff, good stuff being a strong <laughs> choice of phrase. Like, do you think this is this is insane, right? That Asuka has gone straight back to being this kind of champ. Like, what are we doing here, Jeremy? Help. Remember, like, remember when Bailey murdered Kyrie, and yeah. Asuka was going to turn into this like big time killer and just murder people herself. <laughs> Kana was going to come back. People were convinced of this, Joe. I, I'm sure there were some fake scoops out there that yeah. oh, get ready, gonna see a new side of Asuka, and she's just. Asuka, just the same person as she was before. And yet she has nobody on this show. Mickey James, bless her, she came back. She got counted out against Natalia, and then she beat Lana. Like, I, all right, she's a legend. They they don't present her like that at all. Like, she's just another person. And that finish, I guess the ref screwed up. Something happened there. Whatever happened, it did not look good. Um, the the Shayna Nia stuff, I like Shayna. The the Nia team drags her down to me. Like, this is not the Shayna Baszler that was just whooping everybody's ass in NXT. She's just kind of another person. Ruby Riot and and um, Liv Morgan. It's 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 fine. Mandy Rose just got traded to Raw. I have no idea why. No idea what their actual plans are for her. I'm not even sure they know what their actual plans are for her. Just I. I don't know, Joe. I'm I'm so checked out on Raw every single week. Just it's three hours. Like the Keith Lee stuff, it's cool that he's up there. He's just doing the same match every single week. All right, face Drew ends in a no contest. Face Randy ends in a no contest. Like he's just he's mm. the third wheel in that feud, and he has a win over Randy. So theoretically, like he should be a bigger part of it. But it's just the the same match, and then you got Retribution. I'm like, all right, what do, what are we doing here? Just it's a it's a draining, exhausting show. Yeah, I can't really disagree with any of that. I mean, it's the truth, right? A lot of it. I just I don't know what the like. We love a rebuild, Jeremy. Right? What's the route here to getting the Monday Night Raw back on track? Like, what do we do? How do we get this back in people's faces? Do we? <laughs> you just say so, it's in your face, and then that's that fixes yeah. everything. So you have. I understand they're probably going to do a shake-up, but let's just look at the pieces they have to deal with. Is a Randy title win the way? Because if not, like, what do you even do with Drew at this point? Drew's... I don't want to say he's kind of... It feels like it's met its, like, conclusion, but it, to me it does feel like it's reached its natural conclusion. Like, I have nothing left to see Drew do with that belt on this occasion. Like, once he... You know, he can get it back, that's fine. But, but then I look at it and I'm like, okay, so then Randy wins and faces Keith Lee, like... Sure. Like, okay. I feel like I've explored that one. So yeah, see, that like that's the issue of doing this match a hundred times. If you just do, if you did Randy and Keith Lee at Payback and Keith Lee wins, and then you just don't touch that match until yeah. it, it's time again. Like you do Randy and Drew, Randy wins, and then you go back to Keith Lee and Randy and it feels fresh. Instead, I've seen Keith Lee and Randy Orton wrestle four times in three weeks. Why am I going to care about this match? A month from now, when I'm sure they're gonna, they'll wrestle at least another couple of times between then. Like none of, like none of this stuff feels fresh at all. None of it. Yeah, it's it's just odd to me because, it, like, I agree with your take earlier. In a, in a vacuum, these shows are not like bad shows. 
Now, they're not the kind of shows where in an hour in you're like, I need to stop watching. There'll be good wrestling on every Raw. Like, Cedric and Ricochet this week just had just a terrific, like, short TV match where they were really physical, they were tight, they, they worked to their angle, you know, and it was personal. And it was great. And it's like, by the time the show ends, you've forgotten it existed. Like, it doesn't... There's just a disconnect. I, I can't recall the last time... I think early this year, actually, there were some moments. But for the most part, Raw fails to have that element of, like, I want to tune in to see this tonight. It's more them trying to patch their way through three hours in the best way they can. Sometimes the results are good. Like, for example, the Hurt Business doing their deal with um, with Retribution. It's like, that's a cool moment. But it isn't something that you tuned in saying, I want to see what happens with that. Like, we've done that before, right? So, I don't know. It's... It just feels like this is such a lame critique, but it's my honest one. It just feels like such a long show. Like, it yeah. really does. I mean, I try to watch the shows in as much, like, full as I can. But, man, Raw is like, you're glancing at the clock. It's this tough. So the one thing that I'm intrigued on is, like, what they do with Dominic. Like, how do you now... Face Buddy Murphy in? another hundred times. It seems like Buddy's turning baby face, though, right? Is that I guess? Sure. I I truly I truly don't know. Like Seth Rollins went from having like five people in his group and now he's just like he's a cult leader without any followers. Like all right, like he's he's a preacher with nobody listening, which I, I don't know. Seth, like, you know it's interesting though. Seth is like where do you put Seth? Because we we agree so Drew's already done the Seth feud, right? And like maybe Randy was like, oh, Seth's a heel. You can't turn Seth babyface anytime, so he's full heel. But then on SmackDown, Roman's not losing that belt for a long time. Like I'm genuinely, this is such like inside baseball, but I'm genuinely just intrigued as to where they place these guys. Because Seth has been feuding with Ray for, by my count, 15 years. So <laughs> it'll be interesting where they go. Like how do you fit Dominic into the the, the regular rotation of baby faces that lose to the hurt business. Like I don't know. All of this stuff is just weird to me. I'm just interested where it falls. I guess you strap Dominic. That's I've been saying it. Just put the title on the kid. Who cares? <laughs> I've already noticed. I remember like two weeks ago. I, I said that um, like it's gonna backfire. People are just gonna be like, oh, what about Apollo Cruz or someone? Like it's just inevitable. And I saw it on social media. People have already done They're that. They're wrong. Whole. All Where were his PWG matches and all that? <laughs> thing. You know, it's, it's, it's hard. I think he's done great. By the way, I know that we are very mean about the Seth Rollins at times. He has been extraordinary with Dominic. I can't. Yes. I have nothing to praise for the, for the stuff he's done. I'm just speaking. I guess Keith Lee and Seth could be fun, right? You could do something like that because I believe, based on what I've I've read, Keith Lee eliminated Seth at the Survivor Series whenever that was, and that like turned Seth into the. I guess that turned into the side. I don't know. Who cares? But that's something you could do. It certainly feels like after having this conversation where I intended to rebuild Raw, they need a shake-up as soon as possible. right? And not one of those shake-ups where they move eight guys from both so you end up with the same rosters just on different <laughs> shows, which is one of their best plays. Like a, a smart shake-up where you say, okay, fresh opponents all around. That's what they really need. They'll just move Sheamus and Corbin. I get that Rude is coming over. There's Raw Underground. That show, that thing has just gone to nothing. Just, I, I, I'd build the entire show around the Hurt Business, honestly. And, like, they're kind of doing that. I, yeah. I would do that even more. Like, I would I, I would do your play, Joe. Strap up Big Bob, give him the belt, let him run with it, and, and just build the entire thing 
around the hurt business. I'd kill Retribution right off the bat. I don't care about those guys. They they they're jokes. So they are. I mean, in, this is not a scoop. To be clear, this is just watching their promo. So that is shameful. Dio Madden, right? Yeah, Dio Madden. Mia Yim, yep. Dijakovic, and then I guess Vanessa Bourne, from what I could gauge. No, it's, Mer- it's Mercedes Martinez. Okay. Yeah. I mean, here's the problem with that gimmick is like, if it's an NXT call-up they're really excited about, they wouldn't put them in this gimmick. Like, I know that <laughs> sounds really negative and unfair, but that's what my instincts tell me. Like, if they're super excited about a guy and they want to call him up, it's like, they'll call him up as is, like Keith Lee. As is, that's fun. Um, but, you know, Keith Lee, I know they've changed his... But he's still Keith Lee, right? He still yeah. does his cool moves and stuff. Dwight Jacobic is like a leader of a faction. I don't know. It's just... I... It's, it's a gimmick that... I guess it's logical, but is it something we really care about? Guys that were... No, the because they, they buried up. it like, immediately with the, the way they portrayed it. And then it's like, oh, we cause chaos, but only on Monday nights. Like, it's... Yeah. It's been very bad. The like the only way, and look, nobody's nobody's buying. If Dijakovic is the leader, no one's taking this guy seriously. No, no offense to him. Like he's got a good look. He's a fine talker. He's good in the ring and all this stuff. But like we saw him in NXT, he was just his claim to fame in NXT was having good matches with Keith Lee and losing more often than not. Yeah. Like that's that's who the guy was in NXT, and that's a, that's the case with. A lot of these uh, call-ups here, it's like, okay, Mercedes Martinez, she lost a bunch. Mia Yim lost a bunch. Shane Thorne was barely on TV. Dio Madden, the last we saw him, he was getting f 5 uh, by Brock Lesnar through the table. Yeah. Like, it, no one cares about these. You've got to have that. Like, maybe Randy Orton is the leader of Retribution. And then at least... something like that. Yeah, yeah like, does. then at least you get some type of edge and make them feel... Like, Edge can be the leader of Retribution. But then it makes them feel like they're a big deal and not just, okay, here's a bunch of NXT dudes who didn't really have much success. Now they're here to cause chaos by throwing bricks through the same window. Yeah, it definitely needs to be like a... I mean, I shouldn't use this phrase because of how it went last time, but you know the higher power deal where they're just acting on someone else's behalf? Like, it has to be that, right? Like, it can't just be disgruntled pc guys act like being silly i don't know it's it's um it's not really my thing anyway it's always felt to me like emergency button tna stuff you know like back in the day where it was like we're on a new network let's do a heel faction the classic tna play for, <laughs> for any kind of leverage and that's what it's felt like to me so it seems like their interest is dwindles in it every week anyway so hopefully raw gets better because i have to watch it regardless and I tried to watch it in full, so I would like for it to be good. Just in any way compelling would be a step up, to be honest. Wednesday night, we had AEW Dynamite. Great show from start to finish. I thought a lot of good wrestling on the show. Mm. Peaked uh, with the main event, parking lot brawl with the best friends against Santana and Ortiz. These four men beat the hell out of each other. Uh, throwing each other through cars, jumping on the cars, jumping on, they had doors, they had lumber, they had all kind of, of nonsense in this. Best friends end up winning, and then Sue was there to flip off Santana and Ortiz. This feud was, like, fine, I thought, for the most part. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a feud based around the Trent's mom's car getting <laughs> destroyed. Like, it's it's great pro wrestling right there. 
but yeah. they they took it up to like they made it worth it with the this parking lot brawl. Like it made me feel like all right, this whole feud was great. This whole feud was worth it, and there was a real like. Trent and Chucky e. T were extremely pissed off that the 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 van got vandalized. Okay, so I need to hijack this briefly because I I want to talk about the match, but I'm left interested by my own split on this deal because like I just said Raw had good matches, but I don't think it's a good show. What would you say in your view? This is not like an objective thing. This is for your enjoyment. What makes Dynamite being mostly just good matches. I'm excluding the main event because the main event's special, right? But like you know, the FTR match, the um, they're Hangman new. Match. Like that's honestly what it comes that's down it, to. Right? Yeah, okay, is that, like they're fresh, and and these teams look Cesaro and, and Nakamura, Street Profits. Like, all right, I just saw Cesaro and Nakamura lose to Lucha House Party. Good match. Why do I care about them? Like AEW just doesn't beat all their guys like a drum every single week. Yeah, no, I agree. I just. I know that someone out there thought that, and I, I was genuinely pondering it myself. Like, why do I... Because I'm not sure I buy the wins and losses matter thing, but it certainly has an impact when you haven't seen guys lose often. Right? Like, and yeah. the Hangman deal is fresh just seeing him wrestle singles, really, like a, a competitive match. Like. So, I agree. Now, on to the main event. This felt like one of those moments that will be, like, marked. You know, like, this was a special... Dynamite main event. Now they have had many good main events, but because of the stylistic choice with this, this genuinely was like one of those ones where I think we'll talk about it years down the line. That could prove to be a complete fallacy. That may not happen. But I was I'm with you, like this feud is just it's not really my thing. And it felt very much linked to the Jericho Orange Cassidy deal that's like it's all fine. It's just it's a little goofy for me. So I thought this would be Stadium Stampede but with less guys, is what I expected it to be. And I like stadiums that beat, it's fun. This was nothing like that, right? This was no. violent. This was this was tough to watch at times. It was brutal. So I just, my I come across like a hypocrite here, right? Because like a week ago I said, stop doing stunts and all that business. Here's what I'll say. Four wrestlers here who are putting the main event on TNT, if you're ever going to do some dumb stuff like this and really damage yourself on cars, and I say that lovingly to all four guys, this is the place to do it, right? My issue, you know, a week ago with Matt Hardy or whenever that was with the transition, that, that's a whole other thing. And I still wish guys would just just be a little nicer to themselves. You know, this is tough. However, boy, did they maximise their moment here, right? Like, they had this feud that was kind of trotting along. People wanted it on the pay-per-view, but not really. It wasn't like a big topic. So they get given this TV main event and a stipulation, and they said, we are going to get every ounce out of this. And they did. So while we've both had gripes on the uh, the proud and the powerful men and their handling here in AEW, it was still cool as a fan of theirs to see them get a chance to create something. Because like, I do believe it is something that will live for some time. I think it was really very special. I... This is typically not my cup of tea, like this kind of right. hardcore brawl around. Like people are like, oh, this is just GCW with a national TV deal. And I'm like, it's sort of, yeah, like this is the kind of stuff that happens in GCW. I'm not a big fan of like the GCW style. Some of their stuff is great, but like the deathmatch kind of stuff, yeah. not for me. This was not like, this was not a full on deathmatch i i was more uncomfortable watching omega and moxley 
because like the barbed wire stuff, the the mouse trap stuff, like that's the kind of stuff that I'm just like, Ugh. that's that's really not mm-hmm. my style. This just felt like a fight in a parking lot. Obviously, it's a wrestling right. match, but yeah. and they're using doors and stuff. But it really just felt like that that kind of fight as opposed to let's do a bunch of stunts that don't actually make sense. And maybe that's my other issue with a lot of death matches is they're just out there of, all right, how can we prove how tough we are in this death match? There's no real, real story behind it. It's just like, Hey, two great death match wrestlers who prove how, how tough they are. This was, there was a story behind it. You can say what you want about the story and how they set it up and stuff. At least I knew why they didn't like each other and why they wanted to beat the hell out of each other and why it came to this. They did a remarkable job of like walking the line between innovation and being creative, but also keeping an authenticity that made it feel believable. It's such a silly word when talking about wrestling, but that is what I'm going to go with, right? There was a feeling of, as you said, like actual animosity. There was a grit to it, an edge to it that was that extended grit. beyond just yes, exactly. <laughs> they extended beyond just the the idea of like let's do this because it'd be cool. They really. I, you know, I think the, the best friends are great, but Santana and Ortiz are, ex- they're so good at acting in a fashion that allows you to fully believe what they're doing. They have been since they showed up in their first TV appearance in Impact. They always have been this way. But this was a feat, because this was not like a straight-laced program here, right? Like, no matter how tough they act in their promos, there's only so far you can push that, because... It's about what they did to poor Sue's fan. And that will always be funny in some way. So the ability to do that and then the best friends to up it and match them with an intensity level that left us like, man, this match about Sue's van is pretty it's pretty brutal. And when I say pretty brutal, I mean it was like it was almost wow, I can't believe this is a TV main event. It really did feel like as soon as it ended, my take was that's something people are gonna like, you know, mark on the the dynamite history. So just bravo to those guys. They made the absolute most of that spot, you I, must say. I was real worried when they are like, this is the main event. I didn't know what you would main event yeah. uh, outside of that because there wasn't like there wasn't a big match on this show, right? Like, if that's not the main mm-hmm. event, what would they have gone with? Yeah. No, I agree. Like, I, I Paige saw and, it. Paige and Kazarian. But, yeah, when I saw that was the main event, I was just like, ooh, I don't know about that. But they delivered in spades. My honest take, when I looked at the lineup, I saw people saying, you know Dynamite could announce, like, us two having a fight, and people would be like, stack cards, stack, <laughs> could do a million. Like, it happens every week. But I looked at it and was like, I don't know how much there is here for me. Um, but one thing that was really smart was the matches, especially the Hangman match and the FTR match, were, like, very professional television matches. And they were exciting, but they weren't, like, oh my god, when's this going to end? You know when guys overindulge on the spots and stuff? They were very professional and compact, and that allowed the violence to really like shine through the screen at the end of the show. Yeah. By the way, I know that the FTR thing is like, it's gonna they're going to polarise everyone now forever because they do podcasts or whatever, but that match they did with, with, the, with the, um, the, the Jungle Boy and the Luchasaurus, what's their team name? Help me. Jurassic Express. Jurassic Express, thank you. So... That deal, I almost called him the Lucha House Party, but I'm like, it was dead set. <laughs> Luchasaurus House Party. <laughs> yes. So 
that match was like a perfect example of what I think they're so great for in AWs. Like they took those guys and what they're good at and was like, okay, we're gonna maximize this within a format here, right? The amount of like false finishes they did that wasn't excessive, where I actually bit on a roll up from Jungle Boy like eight times. It was such a smart match, and it was a perfect example of where, for all the critics, and I understand they're not for everyone, but to me at least. There's a lot to be learned from what they can achieve in a 10, 15-minute TV match without going crazy and leaving you not wanting any more. Like, that match ended, I was like, I'll happily watch those teams wrestle again. It was really a great kind of way of giving me enough that I enjoyed it and loved every minute but without going, here's everything we could possibly do. Same thing goes for Frankie Kazarian, who is just an extra... Like, he's such a good pro. Such a good pro, and they never really use it, but his ability to give them good TV matches... It's very useful on a time like this where you just want to do some story stuff with Hangman. So credit to those guys because they really kind of set laid the foundations for what the insanity of the uh, the street fight was. So yeah. Did Tony Khan make an appearance dressing yep. just shorts and a shirt? I don't want to hear yeah. anything else about our wardrobe if Tony Khan is just going to show up like that. All right. <laughs> I love you said that like there's a lot of comments about it. There like, is. <laughs> We we were told to that collars are now mandatory on this show. I've got Sean burying my appearance to to Starks every single week, so there there's plenty of, of commentary on our wardrobe. But now I can point to Tony Khan and be like, "Look, this man runs the wrestling company. He just shows up like he just rolled out of bed on a Saturday." So don't Speaking don't that, don't knock our wardrobe anymore. Do you enjoy this like the Bucks being edgy deal? I'm not sure if I do. I think Omega's doing great character work, which is a stunning thing I never expected to say. <laughs> but the Bucks are like, I don't know, it's a little try-hard for me. That you're like the tough guy, we super kick anyone, deal with. I'm not sure it suits them, I guess, is my point. I'm not sure. I think that's almost the point, is... I mean, it gives them an edge. I don't mind it. I think it's I think it's kind of fun of... Like, they've made a bunch of money, so they're just going to go mm. around super kicking people. Like, who cares? And it's not like, like, who they super kick? The announcer, right, the yeah. referee. It's not like they're going around, like, super kicking a bunch of tough dudes or anything. So I think that's, like, the point of, like, hey, we're edgy, we're tough, but we're also picking on, like, even Marco Stunt, when Kenny is, like, bullying Marco Stunt and stuff. It's like, look who you guys are, like, actually picking on here. But that's what the bully right. does, is, is you pick on someone uh, smaller who isn't gonna, who you don't think's actually gonna mess with you. So I don't mind it. And also, in fairness... FTR kind of sold it that way, right? You know, yeah. when they sold, like when they was walking past, they like just completely clowned them. They had no respect for the tough guy, young buck. So that makes FTR sense. is going to shoot on them once they're in the ring together. Of course, this is <laughs> this is serious business, brother. Okay, we're talking about stylistic differences in the world of tag team wrestling. You do not just scoff at that kind of thing. <laughs> but so, do you think Full Gear will be um, Omega and Hangman? And if so, what does Moxley do? Is my final question on the AEW universe. I have no idea what Moxley yeah. does because he's doing Archer now. Because Full Gear is at the end of November. Okay. I think I think you do Moxley and Darby in some type of just nonsensical train wreck match. This is going to sound biased, so I will say it. Ricky Starks. Just saying. Ricky Starks has got serious like internal momentum just from being good on the show, which is a feat because in wrestling now everything is clipped and gift, so none of it seems to matter. 
how every week you see more love for Ricky Starks, right? Like, I think that's a there's something there. I don't know. Maybe it'd be too similar to the MJF deal in presentation, but I'm not sure. See, I think Starks would be great. I think Eddie Kingston would be great because he keeps mentioning that Battle Royal. And... He does. Jane Schultz. <laughs> you... I think Moxley wants to do that kind of crazy match again. And, yeah. like, Darby was the first choice because there's a story there. They clearly have some plans for Darby. Kingston is there as well. I mean, if you're going to... If you're going to headline with... You're probably headlining with that tag team match, honestly. So you yeah. can you can do kind of a lesser uh, world title match. Like they still have Cody coming back. Um, MJF has got to fit in there somewhere. Jericho's got to fit in there somewhere. So they've got plenty. Yeah, they've got yeah. they've got plenty of options uh, on, on what they can do. But considering it's a uh, it's still two months away, like two True. whole months. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I must say, but I know that it's just like. Oh, Joe Fort and Eddie Kingston segment was good. Wow. But that segment was really cool. When I mean, they overdo the beating up people in the crowd thing. But that is an isolated segment. I have to... The delivery of... You need to sort out your, like, your own... Uh, what was his phrase there, Jeremy, when he, when he spoke to the Blade? You need to you sort out your, your house, right? Yes. And <laughs> the Blade was like... Yes, I do, Eddie. Thanks for saying that on TNT Live. <laughs> he didn't even he didn't even have an issue. Like you mentioned it last week, just mentioned it again this, this week. This this is what was so is people were like, Oh, what is he talking about? It's like do you, do you not get it? Like the, the yeah, bunny alley. No. My favorite bit is like this guy just sees his wife dating another person and stuff and he's he's just cool with it until Eddie Kingston is like, sort that shit out, dude. And he's like, exactly. Oh yeah, maybe maybe I should Pay attention yeah. to that a little bit more. <laughs> I do love the way that Eddie's like, Eddie refuses the idea of their affection. And I think yeah. that's the best. I don't know if it's even a character touch or he just doesn't want it to be that way. But it works so great as a character touch. Like, his actual response was, grow up. He was like, why? what are you talking about, affection? I'm not naming us. <laughs> like, we're not grew. We're just friends. That's all. I help these guys out. I mean, that's He's, like, um, that's almost the running bit in AEW now. Like, MJF said exactly. it. Like, a lot yeah. of factions around here. Yeah, Starks, Starks yeah. likes to say, you know, we're not faction, we're like an MMA team and, and things yeah. like that. So a lot of different takes on how they're grouping people together. What is your genuine reaction when Jake Roberts walks out of a mic at this point? Like, oh my like, God, I'm afraid. I'm deathly afraid when he comes out with a mic. I love, I love his transition from like when he's just talking to when he's saying something he's clearly prepared beforehand. It's glorious how like shift is. It's literally just like, uh, Moxley, Archer, everyone <laughs> dies. And then he'll go into like some poetry. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> you cool, Jay? Like, and his hair is good. I need, when it's time for this hair to go, I don't know when that will be, I'm just going to walk in and be like, Jake Roberts, 2020, <laughs> bring it to me now. And I'm going to wear jean shorts. It's going to be full AEW over here. Will Hobbs got signed. Good on him. He's in a big six-man tag next week. Yes. They're, they have so many good like prospects that they're already doing something with like their talent roster is pretty amazing so here's a fun question that we're never going to find out the answer to and we never should but i'm just gonna ask it could aw now do a brand split they yes could, right? oh 100 yeah 100 they could do a brand split 
That is wild, man. Because I remember when the idea came around, I was like, I don't know how many. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Like, WWE was signing everyone. I was so wrong. Like, you just said it. Their young group is... It's very exciting. They have a lot of options. I mean, these pay-per-view cards are going to get harder and harder to put together. I just hope, you know, what I said a few weeks ago, of like, don't then make that, okay, we need to do 10-man matches, battle royals. Look, if you're going to be a major league promotion, sorry, Colt, a major league uh, wrestling federation, <laughs> you're going to just have to leave it off pay-per-view sometimes. That's just the way it is. And they're going to need to accept that because that roster is very, like, strong, deep. Yeah. Um, retro review. I like how we had three topics. We're supposed to put five minutes, and we're, we've gone 45 minutes now. So <laughs> That's tough, yes. Okay. Set this one up for and then I'm... Um... I'm off the rails on this one. Go ahead. Yeah, you said this. You're going to run long on this, so God yeah. help us. Uh, <laughs> I picked this match. Sting against Vampiro. Human Torch match. Great American Bash 2000. Vampiro's in the news. His new documentary <coughs> is out. Uh, check that out. I've heard very good things about it. Sting should always be in the news. Sting rules. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to set up here. It was, <clears throat> the, the point of this match was you set your opponent on fire, and that's how you win. And yeah. that's what happened in this match. Somebody got set on fire. This is, and I think I've said this before, but if you wanted to watch one like 20 minute clip of a wrestling show <laughs> purely for comedic value, only as far as the commentary, this is a all time gold one. <laughs> this is the co main of Great American Bash, right? And you can tell that a lot's already happened. Because Shivani this followed says, This followed Ric Flair against David yeah. Flair. Yes. And Shivani is like he he's perplexed because he says there is a major announcement coming tonight and it is still yet to happen. Like, he can't fathom that they're gonna save that. I don't even know what it was. I think it may be Goldberg turning heel, but it may just not be a thing. So this video package, Jeremy, um your thoughts on Vampiro doing like his deal and then just Sting's so, like, solo line in the whole promo being, you're psycho. <laughs> that's the only thing. I'm pretty sure it's the only thing they give Sting. And I thought, this is going to be as good as I remember it being. So, yes, the video package, firstly. Did you watch it? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I watched the video package. I thought it was weak. I was actually expecting, like, more. You know what? It yeah. wasn't... It was weak from, like, a storytelling standpoint. I was like, what's right. what's the issue with these two? But as far as, like, production... The shots they would do, the cutaways, the effects they added to it and stuff. All of that was tremendous. Yes. So I need to set this up as far as the announced this. So we have Scott Hudson, who puts in a an <laughs> all-time performance here. Mark Madden, who 
predicts Sting is going to die in before the match and then gets very scared when Sting almost dies. <laughs> and Tony Schiavone, who appears to be at the end, this is... Oh, like, he's way is, checked out. He's yeah, a year he's, past checked out. He's plotting like his next career move. He has no clue why he's still here. So, as you said, the match is about setting the other man on fire. And Sting, instead, is at the top of the stage. <laughs> and he, like, calls the torch to his hand. And it, like, floats around his arm for, like, an hour. Yeah, and the he, floats, he has the pulley thing, <laughs> and he pulls it up. And I think, like, he thought it was just going to, like, come directly to him. But it's on, like, the... It's like a fishing line. And so it's, like, dangling around. So he's got to, like, maneuver and swing it into his hand. <laughs> and he's like, hope you're not afraid of heights, Vampiro. And Vampiro's, like, freaking out. Like, what are you talking about? What are we doing? We got to go up there now. <laughs> So, the exact quote, and this may be the greatest piece of trash talk ever. Vampiro, are you afraid of heights? Because I'm not. If you want to torch me, you got to get up here. Boy. <laughs> Drop some boy in. He dunked on him and, like, stared him down after and got tech. Amazing. And, of course, as you said, the bit here is Vampiro is actually scared of heights. Mark Madden is like, I knew it all along. And Vampiro's saying, why don't you tell me, Mark? He's insane. Okay, and this is when Shivani gives one of the greatest quotes ever in history of wrestling. To think that a man who can go the extremes to burn someone is afraid of heights is mind-boggling. <laughs> and to that I say, yes, it is, Tony. I would agree, that is mind-boggling. <laughs> he describes the stipulation as beyond comprehension, also true. <laughs> and then he says, Sting obviously has found the weakness of Vampiro, that being Heights. All true. All of these things undeniable. So he has Vampiro beat, checkmate. Come up here, boy, he says. And then he just climbs down and goes and fights. <laughs> That's what confused me is why did he go to the ring after yeah. that? Like, just yeah. make him come to you. What do you. Oh, let's go down to the ring, fight, so we can climb up to the, this thing. It made no sense to me. <laughs> so they do like a little bit of a match and then Vampiro p- puts like a gasoline on Sting. And a complete I, tip that Sting yes, is losing this match. And I, I've got to stress this. Like, Shivani is calling this like it's a normal wrestling match. But the things he's saying are in, like ridiculous. But he's never his tone never changed until the dramatic fall. Right? <laughs> the rest of the time he's just... So like, for an example, so then they fly up the ramp and they start climbing and Sting... <laughs> Giovanni says, I'm not so sure anybody wants to see this. True. <laughs> the fact is, and I love the way that he makes it clear, the fact is, the fact is Sting has been doused with gasoline, Sting is a, a spark up there, and Sting's going to ignite. All said, like he's calling, like, chain wrestling. Sting is a spark up there, and Sting is going to ignite. And then they climb up to the top, the fire is up there, and all of a sudden, like, The Undertaker arrives... <laughs> The Lightning and Thunder deal. And I know that's Sting's thing. Do you know how I know this, Jeremy? Because Scott Hudson says, and I quote, the Sting-Lightning effect is on. <laughs> Sorry? Why? Is it, is it a lightning effect? The production team's doing this? Or is Sting... Like, what's happening? Sting controls Never... it with his mind. Sting in what's his mind. Out? Maybe Vampiro's afraid of thunderstorms as well. I don't know. That should have been explained, too. That, like, I know you're afraid of lightning and thunder, boy. So I'm going to have this stuff go off while we're up top on these heights while I'm trying to burn you. Sting is a maniacal genius, all right? By the way, I missed. When they're climbing, Sting takes, like, a stunt Yeah. To absolute silence. And it's, like, so sad. It's not even... 
it, it is a stun bomb, but it's literally like five feet oh, off the ground. Yeah. yeah, like Sting's yeah. not taking nothing. But they still call it like, oh my god, like no, what it's, happened there? Like it's so this big weird. thing. And yeah, the crowd is just like, what is happening? <laughs> this is nonsense. Shivani's like, that is it. It's over. Yeah. And the, the crowd reacts so little that Sting has to just stand up and start climbing again. It's it's tragic. <laughs> Um, this so is when this is when Vampiro screwed up though because he gets to the top he could have just grabbed the torch and then just like f- dropped it down on Sting match over he was on gas he was all he was gassed up that would have been incredible <laughs> yes that would have been something um, so then they're on top of the, the stage here and the lights are flickering and like they're just doing I understand they're high but. Have you ever seen such lifeless brawling in all your life? No. And all in the meantime, Shivani is like, these men are fighting for their life up there. And it's like, (laughs) I don't know, man. Maybe they are. At this point, you're so deep in, a man has gasoline on him, there's fire up there, and they're like 30 feet in the air. Maybe they are, Jeremy. Maybe someone's going to die. I don't know. So, yes, they're brawling, and that's being generous. And then the lights go completely out. They come back on and sting, and it definitely is sting. One hundred percent, definitely not stuck there. He's a lawyer, and he like sets himself, looks around the arena, and does like a swanton bomb stunt bomb into like a big pad. And I can't do this. I can't replicate it. You just need to go to the network and pull this up because their call of this bump is all time. Would you agree? <laughs> the terror in these men's and this is when it gets really good. But firstly, Jerry, just please help me try to capture the glory of this bump. Like, how great is this? They So the lights go out, and they're clearly doing a, a body switch here with a, a, the stunt double, first thing. And Vampiro just grabs the torch. It's like, okay. And he does the little spear. They're, like, jabbing. They're like, get back, get back. And then Sting just, like, or Sting just walks into it he's like ah i got nowhere to go here just kind of walk into it yeah he 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 kind of walks around the staging up there he goes to the top he grabs a little cord that's standing over there and he like looks around and everything and then he just he does his swanton bomb off of this and the crowd's like kind of into it like oh okay man on fire just dove down and they're he's gone out they're rushing and everything the announcers sell this as like complete shock horror death my favorite part is after it when they do the like silent like bring it down kind of stuff <laughs> to show like how serious business this is this like is fans yes. fans can't believe what we just witnessed here yes. sting was just set on fire he fell 40 feet from the top of the nitro vision and fans just stay with us. We we'll be back. We'll we'll provide an update. And it's like, ah, cut to the video package for the main event with yes. Kevin Nash, whoever the fuck said it. So I, I want, I've got so much greatness from that. <laughs> that is the best part of the match, to be clear. Um, so Scott Hudson, everyone else, you hear them like throwing their headsets off because they're like disgusted. <laughs> and Scott Hudson like sticks with it, and he's like, it cuts to Vampire. Like, Don't show that main yeah. event. <laughs> And then he, he goes into Steve Baldwin has kids. It's, I have to give credit here. So a big influence for my part of this pod, whatever I bring to this insane show, comes from a wrestling podcast called Getting Networked. If you have your mo, your pod app right now, look it up. It's a, it's a brilliant podcast, and they covered this match. And they really captured and focused in on an element here that could get lost during all the chaos. 
which is that as the fire extinguishers are being aimed at Sting, like they are a sorting Sting with these fire extinguishers, right? They are just... <laughs> and Tony Schiavone legitimately says, maybe they're doing it to keep him cool. And no one questions... <laughs> and this isn't my... I would have missed this. There's so much comedy here. I've got to give him credit. Again, now, guys, tremendous. It's so true that Shivani actually says they're keeping him cool. They are blasting this man. His feet are going up and down. So, yeah, check that out because that's brilliant. But here's where I really, to me, this is where it gets extraordinary. So you said it. They cut the camp, the uh, announce desk. They're all perplexed. Shivani's doing this. <laughs> Shivani says, what do you want to say? And Hudson, straight face, says, we just watched Steve Baldwin kill himself. And it is a nothing like it goes on, okay? Shivani now is questioned morally by Mark Madden, and he says, and I quote, When we talked about setting a man on fire, I thought, well, maybe, hopefully the guy's leg will get on fire, the boot will get on fire, or the arm or something, but not the whole body go up in flames. Like, Tony drawing the line there is glorious. And then he questions, did he jump to save himself? Fair question. Scott Hudson has a simple answer. He can stay up there and burn to death or take his chance and jump, you know, down to the stage. (laughs) They're doing all this, and it's like, it isn't the main event of the show. As you said, they're talking about the format and, like, send it, what we're doing next and all this good stuff. And Shivani apologises as a professional. He said, I'm sorry that we cannot sit here as we usually do and try to analyse what we have seen because we have seen the damnedest thing we have ever seen in sports entertainment, which is one of the greatest quotes. After all he's seen, the best thing you can muster up as a compliment for this is one of the damnedest things we have ever seen in sports entertainment. Sure, Tony, you just told me he's dead. Can we not describe it as one of the damnedest things? So this was special, and I I have to say, Jerry, it gets... I'm carrying on this route next week. Do you have options next week again? You know this is my new thing? I'll give you two options. It went so well with the Firefly Funhouse. Yeah. So here's the deal. We can carry on this path and go to September 17th, 2000, as in a scaffold tag match, Shane Douglas and Tori Wilson take on Billy Kidman. Oh, and my God. Okay. Or you can have a good wrestling match from the exact same day, 1995, Ric Flair versus Arn Anderson. I'm giving you a very... That's a very broad palette. There. No, we're Watch watching it. We're watching the scaffold okay. match. I don't care about good wrestling. <laughs> how great is it that we have actually managed now to go two straight weeks of, like, high-stunt matches for 2007? <laughs> and then we've been, like, three months of each other. So this is... All right, look, guys, just watch this. Watch this, listen to Getting Networks, pod on this, and then come back here, re-watch this, and understand that when I'm laughing about this match... It is in the most authentic, sincere way possible because this is magic. This is all time. And it's nothing to do, really. As funny as the stunt bomb is, it's nothing to do with Sting and Vampiro. It's just the presentation in general <laughs> and the fact that Scott Hudson actually claims we just watched Steve Baldwin kill himself on pay of Look, Amazing. We can laugh at this because, fortunately, Sting is alive after yes. this. If, you know, if, God forbid, something worse happens, we would not be reviewing it, we would not be laughing at this. But yes. Sting is alive. He's okay. He's in the WWE Hall of Fame. He still won't give Sean Ross Sapp an interview. So that's how you, he's okay. That's what matters, right? In fact, I still have this. Oh, wow. As the hat falls. Got him. Right here. Got the stinger. There he is. Yeah. That, <laughs> this looks like the man who took the stunt bump back show. That physique is what Hogan expected him to look like at Starcade 97, right? That's what he expected him to be that big. But yes. Um, 
You're correct. This is comedic because we know that, thankfully, Steve Baldwin and his kids were fine. Yes. Scott Hudson could sleep easy that night. <laughs> the one thing I wanted to research and I forgot to was how long do you think Sting was out after this bomb? Like two weeks, right, Max? Oh, I'll look this up right now, actually. Because 2000 WCW, and I know, Jeremy, you're one of the only other people that's actually done that, like, exploration in madness. <laughs> Things just happen. Yes. There's no sort of, like, people turn babyface and heal in a week. It's an insane time. People don't really grasp how insane it was. I hope this podcast is starting to shine a light on that. But um, I would assume he's back within no time, even though they suggested he died here on pay-per-view. But we'll see. I'm looking it up. My internet's a little bit slow right now. Uh, I will set up the the next bit because okay. you, oh had, you had uh, <laughs> you, you had a review for yourself. I don't even know how... Oh, it's because I was... The, the, whatever the award show was called, was on during wrestling, and I didn't feel like watching wrestling on Wednesday. And Taylor Swift was back performing, and so I just put out there, if Denise Salcedo retweets this, Joe will watch the performance and review it. She performed Betty uh, live. First yes. live performance uh, oh, from wow. the new album, Joe. What did you What did you think of this song and this performance? So, here's the truth about this, and this is going to make for a lame segment. <laughs> I thought this could be quite funny because I thought I could come on here and be mean and get some dunks off and it could turn into like a debate about Taylor Swift. <laughs> but I'm going to be honest with you, I actually like really enjoyed this and I'm, I'm not doing a bit. Like this was not what I expected. But I didn't realise that was the award. I didn't get what... I haven't listened to the new album. Shocking, I know. <laughs> but is this, is this the whole feel of the new album? Um, not like... It's it's definitely a mix of a lot of different... It, it's an alternative album. Like there's some sad songs, but, there's some more upbeat songs but this song is actually like part of a trilogy f- from the new album so this is from this song was the perspective of a boy and of james yes james so you got yeah. that a lot yes. of people do not get that on the first listen so but i'm very proud of it, it. yeah she but it's still like, people just don't get it people there were the theories out there they're like oh my god is taylor saying that that she's bisexual because of this song and stuff people don't always get it joe but you got it that's that's the layers that you that you know to pay attention to from uh, watching years of wrestling. Yes, of course. The no <laughs> art prepares you for layers like wrestling. <laughs> um, so explain. So James, this is from his perspective, but he appears to have wronged uh, young Betty, right? Yes, that's what's happening here. Yes. So that's really all I've got. Um, but I did know it was James, and I tell you, as a victory, I am kind of startled by the fact that this is apparently like a success. I, I'm now like, <laughs> feel like I'm playing with house money. This, I have nothing else to add. No, the, it's kind of amazing. Like when she puts out a new album, <laughs> like you think the Bray Wyatt. This was the the joke of Bray Wyatt is the Taylor Swift of wrestling because like you think the Bray Wyatt Twitter threads and Reddit threads are bad, the Taylor Swift threads are just outrageous when a new album comes out. Just outrageous. Well, so like, in what way? Are we talking about who she's talking about or what she's Oh, yeah, about? who she's talking like, about. Like, there's there's a line There's a line in one song where she's... It's clearly about her current relationship, and she has the line of, like, I'll give you a child. And people are like, Taylor's pregnant. I knew it. She's pregnant. And it's just like, it, it could just be a foreshadowing. Like, she's saying she loves this person so much she would have his kid, but people are like, nope, she's pregnant. There's so much stuff that, like... People will tie together, and like she is very creative, and her mind works to where some of it is true. But the the links fans will go to to like tie stuff together and what she's talking about and stuff are just right. insane. 
Well, the thing about, you know, the, the uh, saying, which is, is lost on me now, but you know the deal about art can be perceived in any which way. People do like to push that to its fullest. They? They, they really like to expand on that range. So I'm not surprised. Uh, I'm told that music, Jeremy, is quite popular. Have you thought about doing a music podcast? Because we have now discovered that film podcasts, there's not one in the world other than ours, right? So album listen could be a new deal. Just saying. Can we review the John Cena album? 100%. Oh. When, when are we going to do this? We're running out of days now. When are we going to do this? I'll happily do it. No, it'll be it'll be like one of our Tuesday show. We'll we'll take a break from the music show or from the movie show and turn into look. I reviewed the Enzo album and that album sucked. Um, I reviewed the the Leo Rush. You album. did. I remember that. Yeah. Yes. So I've reviewed musical albums that people. Uh, Swerve Scott Isaiah Scott has a has an album coming out in November. I want to review the John Cena album. Does anybody else have like? An actual Mickey James, she has some songs, right? Randy Savage has a oh iconic, yes, Randy Savage has an album. album. Oh, we're gonna have to okay. start doing album reviews now. <laughs> this is this is a new element to the brand, but I'm, unfortunately, I, I you know I see the jokes on Twitter, Jeremy, and sometimes people will attempt to dunk on you right when the Taylor Swift deal comes up, and there'll be shot blockers around. People will come in and they sort of protect the room, make sure nothing happens. And I, I always respect that. I steer clear of all sort of Taylor slander. I don't know enough. But I did watch this and thought this could turn out to be a funny bit. And I, in the end, I was like, I was quite like, I quite like that song. It was good. I, I might actually listen to the trilogy now. <laughs> is this, so there's three songs on the new album that are about this one story, is what you're telling me? Yes. Uh, the songs are August and Cardigan and then Betty. So if you're, if you're going to look up. Next week, I will return <laughs> for a full trilogy review. Oh my God. It, I'm, so, I'm interested. So I sold you on this bit that you were, you, you were screaming about on twitter last night you're like no you've already you got me doing this bet with the sasha banks theme i'm not i'm not watching this taylor swift performance yeah. here and now you've watched it and next week we're gonna get a full trilogy review yeah i was impressed it was stripped back i thought it was gonna be kind of obnoxious but it wasn't obnoxious. it was actually it was nice so i next week i'll do the trilogy and then after that i'll do the full discography so just <laughs> hey that was a joke don't care away but i will I would investigate. That's what I'm going to say. Is that a fair enough yeah. conclusion here? Well, you've, you've promised the people uh, we're not doing the review next week, unless our guest is a fan of Taylor Swift. Um, but hey, <laughs> that could be a that could be a truly heat check moment for our podcast. It really if he could. comes on here and we're like Taylor Swift. What do you think? Um, okay. Let's get into that because we talked actually real quickly. Sting was out a month. He came back at Bash of the Beach was was the next pay per view. Okay. Uh, that's when he came back. So you know they gave him a month. He fell to his death and he was out for a month. That's fair. They should have done a satellite interview with him right? <laughs> after the after the fire extinguisher stopped calling him down. Tony could have called him up. Okay. Uh, let's let's talk NBA to close out this podcast because we always talk NBA. Last night I don't know what happened. Joseph Wednesday night I have no idea what happened on the Twitter Uh, Michael Thompson former number one overall pick in 1978 I believe two-time NBA champion Lakers legend Uh, he's a wrestling fan if you go through his timeline a lot of wrestling tweets on his timeline and last night he tweeted that Eddie Kingston was as good on the mic as The Rock he's a great trash talker AEW has a bunch of great trash talkers WWE does not outside of MVP I think you started this because you retweeted yes. it. And yes. and then, of course, people on Twitter were getting mad about it. And you were like, we got to get Michael Thompson. You put it out <laughs> on the universe. You said, we got to get Michael Thompson on the podcast. So, look, I I called the play. Yeah, or you called the play, actually. 
You you called the play in the huddle. You're like, here, look, you're the point god, Jeremy. I need you to take over right now. I said, all right, Joe, I need you to set the screen. Let's run the pick and pop. We don't use it much. The the Durant-Westbrook pick and pop. Don't use it as often as we could. But when we do, unstoppable. Absolutely unstoppable. I called called for you to set the screen. You set the screen. The defense, they got to respect. They got to come out to you. If you pop, they got to worry about me. Take the little mid-range shot. Shot the shot. We got Michael Thompson. He's going to be on the show next week. <laughs> well, I need to stress because we do so. That is true. Yeah. Like, that's really happening. I can't believe we're saying it. So I, I'm not a big deal on Twitter other than when I'm dunking. But <laughs> I do think that I may have ruined his mentions because his quote tweets were all mutuals that were like mad and list. People were actually replying to Michael Thompson like, Hey man, like Zelina Vega's pretty good. Like, imagine listening. <laughs> what are you doing? Stop listening restlessness, man. He's having fun. So I, you know, I thought it'd be funny, and he seems to be interesting. So I thought maybe we do NBA talk here. So like maybe we could. He was replied immediately, and then our good friend Mr. Khan was like all in. He was like his whole life was just about the distraction podcast acquiring. Like, so maybe he'll be a full time. I don't know. Man. This could be that like, when we get Brett Brown too, because he's going to reply soon. I think. So when we get him as well, we're going to have like an all-time group. We won't be a faction though; we're a family, right? <laughs> this we're is the family. thing: is like Joseph will put out there, like, let's get Brett Brown, let's get Billy Donovan, let's do this person. I email these people, like, I, I message them and be like, hey, you want to come on? The-? Like, there's, I have nothing to lose either. They're going to say no, and I fully expect them to say no, or yes. they'll actually come on the show and we'll talk to them. So like, when he put out there, we got to get Michael Thompson on the podcast. Like, I was like. What we have nothing to lose. I'll, I was looking for an email at first, and there was nothing there. I was like, I'll just reply to him on Twitter. He's very active on Twitter. Like he he engages with a lot of people, and so I put it out there, and we we talked this morning through email, and he's doing the show next week. So how do we play this one, Jim? Are we do we just go straight into that particular tweet, and then where that takes us, it will take us. I feel like that may be the play initially. Yeah. Obviously, we've got to do some NBA talk, but that tweet is so layered in the amount of questions you can ask just directly in response to that. Like, is he going to come on here and be like, been a big Eddie fan for a long time. And then Shakara <laughs> tapes, I've worn them out. I watch him every He legitimately, he, he, tweets, he tweets about Raw, he tweets about SmackDown. Because I went through his timeline last night to to see uh, just like how big of a wrestling fan he is and stuff. Because I was looking for other tweets to add to the article that I wrote, and like he tweets a lot. Like his entire timeline when he's not engaging with people, and he does that too. Like he'll respond to so many people. Um, his entire timeline is just like basketball and, and and wrestling. I was like, he should be the third member of this show. Yes, yes. Like this is literally it's perfect in every way and it makes a lot of sense but it also seems absurd that next week we are actually having an NBA champion <laughs> on this like, and, and here's the deal too I get people again like you know NBA champion is a unique term because you're talking about a squad of guys like he played on one of the most iconic teams in the history yeah. of the league like this is not a guy who's not seen nothing he's like yeah I've gone these nerds talking about wrestling <laughs> he could do much more cool things much cooler things sorry than talk to us about Eddie Kingston's promo so this is going to be something. I, I am, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm very excited. I know we're both, we play cool guy here sometimes. I'm flat out about this. I don't play cool guy at all. I always find it hilarious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I always find it hilarious when when we achieve any type of like 
success with what we do <laughs> like it's it's so funny to me it's like dude we just want to talk about the dumb stuff in this sport like we'd rather be a basketball podcast we'd rather review these terrible movies and michael thompson is like yeah sure i'll do your show sure <laughs> it could be that podcast could very much hinge on how the lakers are doing by then though right like, well, he's a big lakers guy man like, yes this, this, we don't want him coming on here when they're 3-1 down against the nuggets that would be bad for all of us you know? well let's let's get into into this because we have a bet um we do not we we haven't established this uh well we we, i pitched it on tuesday and then the clippers i'm gonna slander the clippers by the way we'll get to that um and then the clippers lost game seven the original bet was supposed to be you get the clippers or the field and well the field won so the new bet is you you joseph you get the lakers or the field and if the whoever you pick if they win then i will sing the Sasha Banks theme song. If your pick win, or if my pick wins, you have to sing the Sasha Banks theme song. That's the bet. See, the reason this rules is because <laughs> your explanation to me is that if I duck this bet, I will look like a coward. Yeah. So I have, I have three outcomes here. One is I look like a coward. The other is I get to see you singing the Sasha Banks theme song. Like, okay, great victory. Like, whoa, win. Because I know that there's no effect on you. You will happily sing that song. So I'm looking at this like, no, I'm not doing this bet. And, I, and, and here's the deal, because we're going to get into Clippers. This bubble is now terrifying me. Dude. And like, <laughs> while I, everything in my brain says, dude, take Lakers, like, they've got this. I really think that. I am not putting, had a dream I hadn't made it on the line. On the <laughs> this, this league is insane. The Clippers, like, everything that I thought I knew suggested to me the Clippers were like, not unbeatable, that's ridiculous, but like they were as strong a unit as you could have. And they had little cracks appear along the way, I get that. But good lord, they didn't just lose a series, right? They had an all-time collapse. So my answer is, I will avoid that bet at every turn. And everyone watching this now, tweet me, you are a coward. And I will happily accept that as my punishment here. That's all I'm saying. Oh my, I really oh, thought... I'm a coward. Oh my god. I, I told Sean this idea, and he loved it. <laughs> And he was like, I can't wait for this. And now you have backed out of it. I am tweeting now, as we record this show, I am a coward without any <laughs> That's how all in I am on being a coward out of those three options. Listen, man, the bubble is wild, okay? You got Tyler Hero, he's like an all-star. This thing's terrifying. I ain't going near it. Staying clear. I am I am I'm disappointed. Okay, I'm stunned. But Sting just now... died. <laughs> Here's the deal, though. Okay, I understand it's disappointing. I know that Sean has just cancelled our show. <laughs> You're many, fired. You are one hundred percent fired. Many things were about to transpire <laughs> after that decision. But with that being said, you still have a victory lap to take. Yes. Because our friend playoff P. <laughs> now I do want to say before you do this, because this is your play to make. But Kawhi deserves. Oh yes. Thing. Yeah. I mean that guy. He pulled some stuff last summer that was, like, insane. And when you do that, you have to win. You cannot blow a 3-1 and lead by 10 in every one of those games. So that's the, that's one thing. I don't want to, like, you know, do the, well, I'm letting him off thing. But we have an OKC fan here. <laughs> there is one way to play this. So I'm giving you the ball. Go ahead. Uh, Jeremy Grant was clearly the best player on OKC last season. He's the one going to the conference finals while Paul George and Russell Westbrook are, are headed to Cancun. Look, I enjoyed Paul George's time in Oklahoma City. He was MVP candidate last season until his shoulders got hurt. 
And if his shoulder just doesn't get hurt, you never know what could have happened. This is every year for the last three years with this guy. Ever since, literally ever since, he's like, y'all ain't met playoff P, huh? Just complete shit in the playoffs. Just absolute garbage in the playoffs. You can blame shoulder injuries. You can blame what you can blame Russell Westbrook. You can blame Doc Rivers. Whatever you want to do, just garbage in the playoffs. They had a three-one lead, up double digits. Paul George played great in like game six, game five. He was really good in one of those mm-hmm. games. Game seven, another opportunity, completely wet the bed. I don't know if you read the stories of him, like Montrez Harrell wanting to like fight him. Because Paul George had like a couple, oh, it was game two. And Paul George had like a couple of turnovers. And George was like yelling at uh, Trez. And they're going back to the bench. And Trez is like, you're always right. I get it. You're always right. And stuff. And like the Clippers had to like laugh and clap and stuff to like make it seem like there was nothing going on. But it was like a full-blown argument between these two men. Dude, his post-game comments as well mm-hmm. of like, didn't have enough time to figure it out. Didn't have chemistry. No, our mindset wasn't that it was one year, it was championship or bust this year. Complete loser comments. All right, just complete loser comments. And that's the hat's fallen, Joe. The hat the hat has fallen. I've shaken my head that the hat has fallen. Yeah. Uh, I would so, like to like Paul George. He does not make it easy. So here's the thing with this team is like I have concluded that my take is this team was a group of losers convincing <laughs> themselves that because they had one winner, they were now winners. And the result was, in the end, a bunch of losers stood around and watched while their winner failed to win. And that is, <laughs> honestly, I know that sounded awful poetic, that is the only way I can... That team looked truly like, terrified as the clock... It, like, evaporated on them, right? It was, it was a semi... Yeah, it was... With five minutes to go, it was within striking distance, especially yeah. when you have uh, scores like Williams, Kawhi, and George. Like, it was within striking distance. Mm-hmm. And then five minutes later, game time, they lost by 20. Like, yeah. just... And Ch- Jokic is throwing overhead passes up 16 with a minute left on the clock and stuff. Jokic just had no respect for these dudes. Like, that's a good point. Like... Like, Paul George has never really won anything. Lou Williams has got a bunch of six-man awards. Trez has now a six-man award. Patrick Beverly, just the biggest talker. Who's, his claim to fame is he ruined OKC's season after the James Harden trade. Like, that's yeah. Patrick Beverly's biggest claim to fame. He's never really done anything Honestly, else. though, he's not the worst. Col- Marcus Morris is the worst on that team. Oh, yeah. Because he's, oh, like, he's, yes. at least Beverly, like, plays. I mean, he plays dirty, but, like, at least it matches his thing. Morris's whole thing is he's trying to convince you he's tough at every turn. It's like, big shot. Time to make a big shot. Do you think Marcus Morris is making it? Because I don't. <laughs> Marcus. I don't know, man. Marcus Morris. And this is why, like, when I watched Boston last year and watched him, I was like, he's, he's brutal. Yeah. Marcus Morris is Carmelo Anthony light, like super light. Like, he yeah. likes to do his little jab step at mid-range. Like, when he gets the ball, you ain't getting it back. He's posting, right. he's jab-stepping, he's shooting it. Yeah, Marcus Moore. They they signed Reggie Jackson, like another loser. Reggie Jackson legitimately had the audacity yeah. to be like, I should be starting over Russell Westbrook. Like, this was a thing Reggie Jackson thought a few years ago. They just... Yeah. And Kawhi, look, Kawhi, great player. He's got the rings. You can't knock him for that. 
there are playoff failures there. Like the the year after they won the title and then lost in seven to the Clippers when Chris Paul outplayed them, that's a mark on Kawhi to me. The the Durant year or the 2016 when the Spurs were the second best team, like the Spurs were historically great that year but no one remembered because the warriors were 73 wins like even better historically great and they were up 3-2 in that series and they they lost three straight like that's an indictment on Kawhi. yeah he he completely choked away this series too yeah and it's also like you need that extra context right like the way that he went about free agency like you just you can't i don't want to do the generic like if this was lebron deal but like Let's be real. If it was LeBron, like, imagine. LeBron, right? like, LeBron got slandered last year when the, the Lakers didn't make the playoffs after you know he signed with them. They're like, oh, God, the West can't, can't do it in the West. And look, the Lakers were a good team until LeBron got hurt uh, in December or January the year before. He got hurt and threw everything off. Um, but yeah, the way he, Kawhi, Kawhi recruited Paul George. Kawhi legitimately was like, he, he recruited a bunch of different people. Paul George was the only person who just decided, oh yeah, I'll join this guy. Cause Paul George is a of leader course. or a follower and, and not yeah. a leader at all. Um, but yeah, his whole hubbubaloo with how he got, uh, going to Los Angeles and everything. People have said this and they're basically, they're calling out Kawhi on his leadership like Duncan, Manu, Parker, they were the leaders of those Spurs teams. Mm-hmm. It seems like Kyle Lowry, it's pretty evident, Kyle Lowry was the leader of that Raptors team. They didn't yeah. have a leader in, in in Los Angeles. Like They thought Kawhi was that person. It just doesn't appear to be the case. Yeah, you need, um, he's like your lead by example guy, and then you need the guy who like actually has the identity of the team. And I think they wanted that to be Beverly, which... He's just never had. Yeah, no. Like, and and like whether you even if you're a big fan of his or whatever, like he's just not that guy. Right? Because Cole Lowry, he's nowhere near as good a player as Kawhi Leonard, but he's still an all-star player, right? Like he can still take a big shot, make a big play. You're not putting more Patrick Beverly's hands in the game. So it's only so far. It's like with us when it's like, don't worry, guys. Like Tobias is our leader. It's like, oh <laughs> yeah, sure thing. Like you have to. There has to be a balance between one of the best players at the very least. So here's the thing. Like, it's all well and good us laughing now. What do they even do? Like, Montrez can't come back because it's just, it doesn't work. The whole thing of, like, the sick, the two sick men that neither of them can guard their man, like, it's just, it doesn't work in playoff basketball. So, I don't know, sign and trade? Who are you getting for him? I have no clue what they do. They could use Chris Paul. Oh, I don't know what they're giving up. Point God. I don't know what they're giving up to get him, but but they could they could use somebody like Chris Paul. Um, so, you're, so you're saying you wouldn't take Landry Shamit in a second? Chris Paul. <laughs> we have we legitimately have like six of their draft picks for the next six sure. years. They have no draft picks to even give us if they wanted to entertain that thought. Yeah, I think you've I think you've got to trade. Trez seems like the biggest one you would want to trade because him and Paul George, it just doesn't seem like it works. But Lou Williams and Trez are such a, a good package deal that mm-hmm. I don't know how, I don't know, like Lou Williams is streaky as it is. You lose some of his playmaking because I don't think he's a good playmaker to like anyone outside of Montrez Arrow. Um, yeah. I don't know what the Clippers do. I would, I'd field offers on Paul George. I don't think you're getting anything. Um, and I don't think they're actually going to do it, but I'd field something to see if there's something out there. Uh, but you gotta you gotta bring in a guy who actually has some like leadership 
skills because yeah. I, I don't think Kawhi's ever going to be that guy. And look, not everybody can do it. I get it. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be that guy. And yeah, Patrick Beverly, you ain't this dude is saying the next five years belong to me, to Steph Curry. Like, dude, you, you're, you're like, I was going to make a Draymond Green comparison. I'd rather have Draymond Green than Patrick Beverly. Oh, 100%. Like, Beverly's just, he's just a guy. Like, he's just an average point guard who is a, has a reputation for being a good defender and is like a fine defender. But I really think he's just someone who barks a lot and doesn't have as much bite. He's a less versatile Marcus Smart. That's my take. That's what I'm saying. Oh, way less. I would take Marcus Smart in a heartbeat over Patrick Beverly. I have to say this. No one's still watching this podcast, but I love Marcus (laughs) Smart. I know I shouldn't. I just can't help myself. So uh, quickly, I know we're we're, we're way long here, but just one question on the Clippers. I agree they need leadership, but stylistically, what's a bigger priority? An actual playmaker or a good defensive big man? What would you think? think, Would you prioritize? I think Zubak can actually be a good defensive big man. Jokic is just a handful. Like, I think Zubak is actually good, and they should have played him a little bit more because those Trez minutes were just god-awful. Doc can't help himself, man. He's like, yes, we have Kawhi and Paul George, but how about some Lou Will and Trez (laughs) pick and roll? How about it, right? Like, it's just... No, I'm with you, 100%. I I think... Here's a trade for you. Neither team will do this. I think it'd be hilarious. Paul George for Russell Westbrook. (laughs) Good Lord, man. Good, <laughs> good Lord. That would be... I mean, Paul George would certainly fit in on the Rockets, right? There'd be so many ways they could find ways to lose games. Like, they would just do it so consistently. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's going to be some hilarious, like, ideas that pop up from Paul George, but I agree with you. He's staying. Yeah. Right? Like, there's no way. I, I think it would be hilarious if Kawhi, like, recruited this guy, got him there, and then they're going to have to sell him for pain. Dude, they traded... Gallinari, who OKC might sign and trade, or even if they keep him, like, awesome. They traded Shea, who has got 10 years, hopefully, in OKC, 10 years or more. And then they traded, like, six first-round picks for Paul George just to go out in the second round. Like, just, hey, good job. Good job, Clippers. I mean, I guess they did it on the assumption, like, well, we're going to win, and then Kawhi will be a Clipper forever. But it's like, dude, like, look at Kawhi. Kawhi doesn't care. Like, yeah. he'll, if, if two years in, this thing isn't going well, he's out. Like, he'll go happily. So, yeah, I have I have no clue. But <laughs> I would not want to be a Clippers fan, and I say that as a Sixers fan. I would not want to be. Because it's just all hanging over them, right? Like, not only are they getting dunked on, like, the league is laughing at them. That's next level. Fans is one thing. The league laughing at you, that's tough. <laughs> dude. <laughs> The Lillard McCollum tweets, my that God. made my night. That was, and that's the thing when you talk as much as those guys is like, you have got to back it up if you're going yeah. to talk. Like that, this is why people didn't like Russell Westbrook is like the dude just yapped and yapped and yapped and then his shortcomings were his shortcomings. But at least people with Russell Westbrook, even Lillard, they were respect him enough to be like, you know, he competes, he goes out there, he tries hard, he's never going to give up on the team. Or anything like that, like George and these guys just were mentally defeated and checked out very quickly. Like even in the game, I guess it was game five of the Rockets, people were still saying Westbrook is still playing hard. Like he sucks, but he's still playing mm-hmm. hard. These guys, they yeah. were they were just cooked. Yeah, it's not a coincidence the quietest guy on the team is the only one that's ever won, right? Like, I mean that speaks for <laughs> itself. The rest of the guys were just hoping that he'd pull them there, and it didn't work out. So 
Yeah, the Clippers, um, Clippers fans have a tough out, man. I don't know. I mean, I, I understand it's our duty as the distraction to give you your chance to do the victory lap, and it certainly <laughs> needs discussing. But, man, I feel for the one Clipper fan who listens to this for wrestling talk and is like, jeez, I can't, can't <laughs> escape. I can't escape. Wherever I look, I get it. Well, yeah. we'll get Michael Thompson on here next week, and I'm sure if the Lakers are still around and doing well, I'm sure he won't have any dunks on the Clippers at all. No, so. I'm sure he loves the Clippers. Yeah. I'm sure he hasn't got any comments on it. Yeah, good point. I can't believe we have Michael Thompson on here. How have you done this? This is incredible. <laughs> Point God shit only, Joseph. Point God shit yes. only. I'm vague. Sure is. <laughs> uh, we will be back on. I don't think we have a show on Saturday. Actually, I will be back on Saturday night, uh, streaming WWE 2K Battlegrounds. That'll be. I have n- no idea what time on Saturday night. Probably like ten, eleven o'clock or something. So if you want to watch me play 2K Battlegrounds, hey, come check it out on uh, the Fightful YouTube. We'll be back on Tuesday. We're reviewing. My dad is a heel wrestler starring Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, so that'll be that'll yes. be an interesting show as we read, yes. uh, as we watch yes. a movie. Uh, we'll be back on next <laughs> Thursday with Michael Thompson talking wrestling and basketball. Joseph, where can the people follow you on Twitter? So I have some news bulletins, Jeremy. Joe Holbert 5 is the Twitter. There is a day left on a poll on my... It's a pinned tweet on my profile. I'm bringing back... Um, a series I did many years ago on Fightful called The Report Card, and I will be covering either Raw, SmackDown, or Dynamite. So you can vote on which one. Raw is very far behind, thankfully. So I think I think SmackDown still has a chance. It's in second round. So do that. Um, no one at Dunk on this week. I want to reiterate what I said earlier. Get a network podcast. Check those guys out. They're tremendous. And anyone else that I've complimented, they're doing cool stuff, right? Andrew Thompson's doing cool things again. I've said he's good already. So like, the usual... I have nothing going on. Oh, I do have one more thing going on. I do critical reviews now, Jeremy. I'm an artist. Usos versus Harper and Rowan, I've done like a 2,000 word breakdown of. Check that out on my that site that I have. Go on my Twitter. It'll all be there. That's all I need to say. Your tagline, your tagline is still artistic analyst uh, on the little video that people can see here. I voted, full disclosure, I voted for Dynamite on your poll. I was very sad that NXT was not included. I would have voted for NXT as a joke, but of course uh, you would. I almost thought about voting for Raw, but I was like, I'm not going to be that mean because <laughs> I do. I don't want yeah. Raw to win for your sake. You should not have to go through that. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Lambert 88. Andrew Thompson will hopefully be on the show. Not this Tuesday, the following Tuesday, the movie review show. He's going to review yeah. a movie with us. We'll talk more about that. Uh, next Tuesday or this upcoming Tuesday. So Andrew's doing cool stuff. He's got a podcast over at post wrestling that debuts not this weekend, next weekend, follow him, subscribe to his YouTube channel. All our friends are doing cool shit, man. If you listen to a Taylor Swift song, the, the opening track of folklore, there is a line that says, I heard you're doing cool shit. Or I had a dream. You're doing cool shit. And it's, it's, I like to use that line. Like all of our friends are doing cool shit. Keep doing cool shit. Everybody. Yes, it's strange because I had a dream I hadn't made it. So that's all I've got. That's all I've got. All right, everybody. We will be back on Tuesday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.